and that was Bjorn again covering Erasure. You're on In Your Face on 3CR with James. On today's show, performer Luke Forrester joins us, and we chat with Joe Ball from Switchboard about their new service, Rainbow Door. 3CR. Well, Luke Forrester was one quarter of popular podcasts, The Gays Are Revolting, and I chatted with Luke this week. Luke, tell us what you've been up to since The Gays Are Revolting podcast went on hiatus. Oh, God. Lots of regret. Oh. <laughs> it's, it's been a strange, a strange couple of weeks. We've been doing this show for uh, like two years straight. I think the most time we ever took off was two, two weeks at a time. Uh, so since, a, since it's gone on hiatus, it, it's been a, a strange kind of recalibration of, 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 uh, what I want to do and, and a few little, you know, mainly just terrorizing Instagram live, to be honest with joke, jokes about frogs that no one wants to hear. Um, but also reaching out to other members within our community to see, you know, we've got a, a fair bit of, um, a bit of a platform and it seems like a shame not to use that to continue, uh, sort of contributing back to the community in a, in a short answer. <laughs> So why'd you decide to stop? Like you guys were riding high. Mm, mm. Well, we've we never expected the show to be as popular or successful as it was. Um, and something we'd always said the the four of us and our producer Dan had had said we would always want to end on a high note, then uh, continue doing something just because it had a following. Or because uh, we felt some obligation to to you know keep the show running, um, uh, and so we we did our best to to keep the episodes and the content pumping through through the initial stages of the COVID pandemic, um, which I'm sure some of the listeners have heard about, and um, just naturally through doing that, we we started to to really feel like oh this is this is the time you know where. We're hitting a high. We're all happy. Our content's really good. Um, maybe this is the natural time for us to kind of wrap up while we're still all uh, all at a high point. If that makes sense, you know. I think a lot of people have messaged us because because we're quite active on social media and stuff. Uh, me and the the other boys trying to figure out if there's some like spicy tea or you know like maybe one of us Yoko Onoed it and and. Um, maybe there was some fights behind the scenes, but it was nothing that salacious, unfor- like, unfortunately, it's a bit boring, but we were happy with, with what we had done. We didn't want to, uh, it to, to kind of fizzle out. Um, so we thought let's, let's pass this torch on to some new voices and, and hopefully see if some new podcasts or some new content sort of pops up from, from the space we've, we've left. Did you ever feel like you were in a boy band? <laughs> yeah, I always felt like the the I no it's it's funny. I was on I guested on a, a podcast called Sinister Sissies a few weeks ago and they we were having a chat like off record before we started and they said a similar thing as like do you feel like you've just got out of the boy band? Um Sometimes I did feel that way. I I always felt a bit like the the Kevin and NSYNC. You know the 
you know the weird one in a boy band how there's always one that's sort of like <laughs> he's not the Justin Timberlake you know he's he's not the 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 cool one in the group um I always felt a little bit like that during the show um so yeah I did <laughs> yeah it is quite a, a funny thing and I I used to sing a lot during the episodes it all would get cut out because it wasn't relevant and I I'm not a very good singer. Um, so, yeah, I definitely felt like I was in a boy band um, and <laughs> I was like the Michelle or something. <laughs> so how would you guys actually meet? We were all sort of either contacted by our producer. Uh, Dan had sort of scouted out people that were active around Melbourne. Um, and I actually applied because like a friend of a friend had posted something on social media. Um, so we all kind of came from different areas of life and Dan interviewed us all. Um, we had this one of those really awkward, have you ever done like a group interview kind of thing? Oh, no. Yeah, we did like one of those but with uh, I think about eight people to see who sort of got along and, and um, who had that rapport. And um, at the at the end of that, it, it sort of, it was really, I think all four of us kind of said the same people. We were like, oh, yeah, this person, this person, this person, this person. We all picked each other. And um, within the next week, we were doing a, a photo shoot and in a studio together. <laughs> it was like, yeah, it was, it was really surreal at the, at the time. Um, but we hadn't, we hadn't actually met before. Our producer put us all, all together. And now, unfortunately, they can't get rid of me. So do you think that's what actually contributed to the success that you didn't have that kind of, you know, interpersonal relationships that you didn't know each other and that you had to develop your your connections with each other as kind of podcast personas, as performers? I think, uh, yeah, I definitely think so. Those early, early episodes, like uh, I didn't, I haven't listened to, to them, but I think we didn't have that shorthand communication that people who have known each other for a really long time have um we were getting to know each other on air while we were recording and i think that was part of the success too because anytime you know really early on i told a story about the time i ripped my foreskin and and shot blood all over my bedroom and all of my friends have heard that story you know ad nauseum but these three guys hadn't you you know we were all learning about each other and hearing each other's stories for the first time while we were recording so i think that was something nice for people to tune into to hear as well because we were kind of like oh my god that happened to you and 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 um you i think you can really tell we got to know each other over time and people felt like they were a part of that as well as they got to know us and we got to know each other we all kind of eased in together along with our listeners into kind of what it is now. So what do you think your role was in the gays are revolting? What was your role in the <laughs> dynamic? What were you? Like were you the irritant? No, not the irritant. Were you the were you the syrotist, you know, the satirist? I, I I think I was the one there to create more work for our producer because he had to cut a lot of <laughs> my ramblings. I, I yeah, I think it, it's funny looking back on it now because I, I feel like I know myself a lot more now than I did when I started that show. Um, 
but I think my role in there was I, I, I'm really active online. I, I, I uh, really connect with people in in like on Facebook groups and via social media. Um, and I think my role in the show was kind of to shed a bit more light about what it's like being a mixed race um, queer person. Um, I've, have some history with mental health as well and also yeah i'd like to poke fun and stir the pot a bit i think <laughs> as well um so i don't i i think i was a bit of a troublemaker looking back on it all but had some some you know valuable things to say here and there as, as well it's a, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mix but mainly I just caused headaches for Dan, honestly, if you asked him, <laughs> he would tell you. But it also sounds like you got the others thinking about, about diversity and about racial issues as well. And, of course, you know, with Black Lives Matter, that was incredibly pertinent. But um, mm. it sounds like you were kind of, you know, the one that was a bit left of centre. Yeah, I always felt like I've always felt like a odd duck within the community. That's... That, I think a, my journey through recording over the two years has been f finding other weirdos, you know, other disenfranchised people um, who are also searching for where they belong and realizing like, oh, we have this little pocket over here and we can be successful and people do listen to us and, and you can be on a show even if you are a, a, a bit of a weirdo, to be honest. Um, but yeah, definitely some of the, some of my favorite episodes have been ones where we got to talk passionately and and honestly about issues like race within the community and and when I whenever I got to share some of my lived experiences and the other boys always really tuned into that. I could really tell they were sort of absorbing something cuz it it's something that like I mentioned like that shorthand, I think people of color have a shorthand when they talk about race because they've experienced it their whole life and, and learning how to talk about it in a podcast format ha has been, yeah, pretty, some of my favorite topics of conversation have yet yeah, been about that. What's been your experience of sexual racism in the gay community? Oh, it, oh God. <laughs> I, you know, when I when I first came out and started dating, uh, I remember I I dated someone for a while. We were together for about a year, and and I remember he had told me really early on in the relationship he'd, he'd dated numerous Asian men prior to me, and we were kind of talking about that. And he very offhandedly just said to me, "Oh, I don't I don't have like a preference for for Asian men. It's it's just they're the easiest to kind of get." Um, and I remember that really, obviously that's a very yucky thing to tell a person. Um, but it really set my expectations and my bar really low for, in terms of how, uh, my race was going to be considered within the gay community. And in fact, I started to double down on it and, and, um, started to perpetuate it a bit too, I think by like, uh, playing into those uh fetishisms and and expectations of of 
what a Gaijin is going to be. Um, but uh, over time, I, I have really worked on my self-confidence and that's happened through the show as well, being able to really proudly say, you know, I'm a biracial person, I'm, I'm Filipino and, and uh, you know, I'm... Uh, I, I'm of merit, and I'm 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 a different body type, but a, 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 a just as valid body type, you you know. And but built my confidence up, and the the kind of uh, chorus of voices that you get back from that, the feedback of people saying, "Hey, I feel the same way. Look, I'm gonna go out there and really pump my Filipino pride too, as well." Um, it's sort of tried, started to shift my my view a bit, where I realize if I stop uh, feeding into it and just make my voice a bit louder, um, other people start speaking too, and we can start to actually change some of these um, pretty awful standards that we have. I'm, I'm I'm not on the apps right now, but you know I, I'm sure we've all flicked past a profile or two that you know, very blatantly would say something like no Asians or what do they say? Like no rice, no rice or no curry. And you just go like, yuck, like this, it shouldn't be okay to be that blatant about something that is, you know, intrinsically quite racist. Um, but we've, we've got a lot of, a lot of, we've got a way to go, but I, I think I've learned being a, a, a louder voice uh, is what's really important um, and helps build other people up and starts making some of those changes in perception. 3CR. You're listening to an interview with Luke Forrester on 3CRs in your face. So it sounds like you've got real insights into how we as queer people internalise all the negativity that we kind of throw at each other, which is scary. Yeah, oh, absolutely. You know, we... We have this, uh, you know, we're throwing shade or whatever. But I, I always tell people like, get therapy. If 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 get if if you're a gay man or or you're any sort of you've endured any sort of minority stress or or um, uh, sort of what's the word minority trauma in 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 your growing up, just try it out. Get a bit of therapy because you'll realize how much you've internalized. And how much you're putting back out into into the community as well. And um, something I'm really passionate about is like we can't keep giving each other free passes um, because we've all shared a, shared quite a bit of trauma, and we're all um, yeah within a minority group. I think I think that's um, not helped us develop in in uh, as a community and. I think we've had this kind of mentality that we can sort of get away with certain things because we're also oppressed. Does that make sense? And and uh, I think accountability and just being able to say, yeah, yeah, you've been oppressed, you're a minority too, but what you're saying is bullshit or what you're saying is like not okay. And let's let's start to unpack why you feel the need to say things like that or the way – why you feel the need to to put that energy out into into the world. So what's next for Luke Forrester? I mean, I can see you doing virtual satire or virtual stand-up comedy <laughs> by Zoom. 
<laughs> I keep threatening to, James. I keep threatening to. <laughs> um, at the at the moment, I'm in, I'm really enjoying like sort of collaborating with with other uh, sort of queer um, creatives, and uh, I think for the moment, I like being that left of center odd duck in someone else's thing for a little bit. You know, I get to pop in, uh, make some jokes about, you know, like today, actually, I, within the last 24 hours, this is a tangent, but within the last 24 hours, I burnt down my balcony and then flooded my kitchen. Like, and, and then I can just go and, and, and do that for a bit. And then, um, uh, yeah, sort of be a, an odd duck in someone else's world for a little bit. I'm really enjoying that at the moment, but Definitely, I would love to. The thing I loved about the show is it really gave me a sense that I was giving back to a community that's um, provided me some amazing experiences and some really lovely, lovely moments in my life. It, 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 it makes you feel like you've got a bit of purpose. And even if that is through my awful, awful, awful jokes. Um, and so I, I don't think I would ever stop wanting to do that. Uh, I've, I've found a way that I can contribute back and give something back to the people who make my days um, so bright. And so I would love, I, uh, you know, if you follow me on Instagram, sometimes I hop on there and, and we'll just like review shapes that I've bought <laughs> or like play with my frog puppets or something like that for a bit. And um, who knows, like, yeah, as long as I, I get to contribute back and, um, yeah, I'd love to do a Zoom show. I would love to do. I, I want to do, like, a live Choose Your Own Adventure reading. You remember those Choose Your Own Adventure books? Absolutely. Yeah, I want to do one of those, but, like, a live Instagram Zoom, like, everyone gets to choose which option. <laughs> and like, we all just drink wine or something. You know, stuff like that seems really fun to fun to me at the moment. Now, you were joking about the balcony in the kitchen, right? No, no. I lit a skull. I'm doing, like, a Halloween. I'm, oh, I should say, actually, something I'm doing in the very near future is a Halloween show with... um. Uh, a drag queen friend of mine, Bathsheba, online, and that's going to be a lot of fun. But I was, like, uh, trying to make some spooky skull stuff on my balcony <laughs> by, like, lo- melting candles onto this, like, skull, and then I'd forgotten about it and was drinking wine and playing Pokemon, and then I went back out and it had, like, set my outdoor table on fire because I just left it burning the skull. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to chuck that out and then, you know, the rest is history. Um But that's 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 life post gazer revolting for me is fire and, and <laughs> fire and <laughs> and damage to my rental property. Oh my god, so how bad is the damage? Look, I'm gonna need a new table and it kinda <laughs> there were quite a few plants and stuff. Look, it's 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 a bit of a mess. I'll send you I'll send you a photo or something. I, I and the worst thing is I lost that skull. I had a really nice the skull looked pretty spooky for a bit and I was pretty happy with that. Um but you know, for all you listeners out there, fire safety is important. If you light a candle, make sure you keep an eye on it. 
if you know that's the moral of tonight's chat is fire safety comes first and don't be a racist online and did the fire brigade rock up no i got it in time and and i i sort of chucked a whole bunch of buckets of water the the funny part sorry we're talking so much about my balcony on fire but the funny part is i often put like little candles out on my balcony while i'm like having a wine and smoking a cigarette and my partner will like often come up on his bike and he will always say like oh it's so funny when i ride up because it looks like your balcony's on fire from the streets you can only see like a little bit of the the candlelight and um so i actually messaged him last night when it was on fire and said hey this time it actually is literally on fire (laughs) fire Well, I'm glad you're still intact and I'm glad your property is still intact as well. Hey, look, you mentioned collaborations with other artists. Tell us some more about those collaborations. Like who? You mentioned the fabulous drag queen, but who else? Yeah, so Jared Bartle from Sinister Sissies, I've kind of put my name out there saying anytime you want to talk about gay sex, horror, or serial killers, I am down to clown. Um so I've been on their show two times now and kind of said any time it involves any of those topics, I would love to be back on the show. Um, so I love working with those guys. We we share a real kind of uh, messed up worldview, I think, sometimes and enjoy the macabre. So I, 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 I like being on their show. And then, yeah, Bathsheba is a, a, a close friend of mine. Uh, we do shows down at... Uh, well, back in the real world, we would um, do shows at Pride of Our Footscray, um, the escape bar out in Footscray, and um, do things like review movies on 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 Facebook. And we've got a uh, yeah Halloween show coming up with uh, Victoria Bitter, um, Ruby Taboo, a few other um, yeah really spooky yuki drag queens. Um, so yeah, that that they're sort of the main people I'm talking to at the moment. Um but also like my partner's a, a member of the band the Marion Cranes. Have you heard it? No. Yeah, that they're, they're, they're a great Melbourne sort of gay pop band and we you know, I would love to do some music stuff with with him and and I I'm one of those really annoying people where I literally have about six projects going at any time and the the only question is which ones will get finished um but yeah i i would love to um release one of the worst songs in the history of recorded audio sometime in the next two months well i can't wait to hear it luke forrester thank you so much for talking to me today on 3cr oh my pleasure thank you for having me and letting me be recorded again i've missed it <laughs> 3CR. Trying to be a good friend of 
future to decide You know I go back there tomorrow But for the work I've taken on Stoking the star maker machinery Behind the popular song Free Man in Paris, you're on In Your Face and 3CR with James. While this week, Switchboard Victoria launched its new service, Rainbow Door, and I chat with their CEO, Joe Ball. Thanks for this opportunity to talk about it. It's a brand new service of Switchboard Victoria. Like a lot of listeners would know that since 1991, Switchboard's been running a helpline, originally the Gay and Lesbian Helpline, which we renamed to Switchboard in 2014. And just this week, just Monday, the 28th of September, we launched a brand new um, second additional phone line called the Rainbow Door. It's a complementary service to what we currently run as part of QLife. It's a service that has a more intensive support for the caller. So it has short-term case management and we have paid staff running the phone line who are specialists in family violence and suicide prevention. So the phone line runs from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. And it's, a, and it's a service that um, QLife will refer into um, and works in partnership with QLife. But basically it means that when you call up, um, rather than the single sessional support you get from the QLife phone line, which means sort of that lifeline model, if you like, where you ring up and you speak to whoever answers the phone, through the rainbow door you'll speak to somebody and they'll, they can, if you want to speak to them over multiple sessions, become a short-term case manager for you and help you initially, immediately in the crisis that you're facing or the issue that you have at hand, they'll immediately talk to you about it. But then also they can take down your details and call you back um, and have a couple of conversations with you and help you um, navigate your way into a, you know, a, a safer LGBTIQA plus sort of mental health or family violence service um, as, as required. Just call us directly on 1-800-729-367. 
And the other important thing is you can um, text message us as well, which is a, which is a, something we feel really excited about because it's a great service for people who don't want to talk on the phone. And sometimes web chat can be a little bit clunky because you have to sit down and open a browser. And um, if you don't want people to see what you're doing, it can be a bit exposing. But through this, through the rainbow door, you can actually text us like you would text a mate. Um, and you just have that back and forwards conversations via a mobile phone. So you can text us directly on 0480 017246. Or you can send us an email at support at rainbowdoor.org.au. And do you still have volunteers on the, on the phone? Have they return to the phones on your, on your mainstream regular kind of service that operates between 3pm and midnight? Yeah, look, it's great to be to come back on and give you a bit of an update about that. No, currently we still don't have volunteers. We have volunteers in our Out and About program uh, where the people are visiting older LGBTI people in, um, in aged care of their own home. At the moment they're largely doing virtual visits unless they live in rural Victoria. There's a few people doing face-to-face visits in rural Victoria. But um, for the actual phone line, it's still paid staff and that's because we are under, like, COVID restrictions which we feel like we can't wait till we can get back our volunteers. But actually a bunch of the paid staff were our previous volunteers. So it's just more about having a smaller pool of people who are rostered on um, and we're looking forward to our volunteers hopefully returning in February because at the moment it's, you know, we can't have nearly 90 volunteers who work on our phone line coming into a small phone room um, from all across Melbourne. Absolutely. So, Joe, tell us about the journey over the last couple of months that have led to the creation of Rainbow Door? What are some of the behind-the-scenes machinations that have happened to get the funding to create this? One of the things we've recognised for quite some time is that the single sessional support in QLife plays a really important role, our main switchboard number. Um, but we've recognised that there is space and need, most importantly need, for a more intensive response. So when you call up, um, you know, people call up and they might call up in crisis and have a conversation about that they're feeling suicidal, as an example, and people get a lot out of talking to someone having an anonymous confidential phone call. But a need that we have seen over time is that people, when they're feeling that way, they often need someone to check up on them and call them back. And that's not what's provided in that kind of um, Q-Life lifeline type model is it's just single sessional and it's on you to activate the, the contact. So I guess it's been we've seen that there's need for another phone line to support our current work and no and it's become you know I think phone lines at this time have really come into their own in COVID-19 it's one of the few services that you know has been completely uninterrupted like we have not missed a day of QLife um and now Rainbow Door since the beginning of COVID-19 so you know it's an uh, Phone lines have a really important role during a pandemic. It's one of the few services that people can continue to access. They don't have to come in on person. You know, they can access it regardless of being in lockdown. Sure, there's some complications maybe with who they're living with or those kind of things, but it still is one of the most accessible services. So listeners might have recognised that a whole range of phone numbers have come up because of this during COVID-19. So Beyond Blue got a coronavirus um, uh, mental health phone line, Lifeline's received more additional funding. Um, there's been a head to health phone line set up just a couple of weeks ago, um, and there's a and there's a coronavirus hotline from the Victorian government. So there's been a lot of hotlines because people recognise the role of hotlines during this time and the role of helplines. 
So as, as Switchboard, we have advocated during this time that we need a specific LGBTIQA plus helpline that comes out of and is for a COVID-19 response. And so I guess through our activism and our advocacy and listening to what people need and knowing what they need from the support we've given them, you know, for 29 years, um, yeah, we've successfully advocated to get this more intensive support service. Are you finding that the complexity of issues that people are contacting Switch about has just got so much more kind of, you know, detailed that that's why that kind of case management is necessary? That's right. I, I think that, you know, in, in the 90s when people called Switchboard, there was a more of a diversity in the reasons that people called. So people used to literally ring up and say, well, you know, where is the where is the sauna in town? Um, how do I go to a men's only event? How do I go to a women's only event? Um, how do I do this and how do I do that? When's midsummer on? Like people used to ask these kind of generalised questions in the 90s and with the growth in the internet and the growth of, you know, <laughs> of the apps and um, we've seen that less, less of those kind of casualised conversations come through these days because people take those conversations somewhere else, you know, or they just Google it, you know, they Google for the information. So there's less of that kind of general community asking information that takes place on the phone and there's more of a focus on, you know, mental health, uh, family violence, people who are isolated and people who are lonely, I guess, that are calling. Then, I mean, still there's a huge amount of people that call about coming out. That's still there's, you know, some of the issues remain the same, but I think there's, it has transformed over time for people to be, you know, calling more for the pointed end, end, of, end of things. Last time we spoke, you talked about Switchboard's financial difficulties. Has the creation of Rainbow Door put Switchboard in a good financial position? Oh, that's a, that's, that's a very good question, James. I think, look, one of the things is, um, and I think I'm always pretty honest on this show about it, is that, you know, we've been funded to June next year to do the Rainbow Door. And, you know, and, I, and there's been a lot of conversations in government that people think this is an incredible model that we've set up, but they've only made such a short-term commitment. So you're talking about a commitment that's less than a year uh, for quite a substantial, you know, mental health, family violence response during a pandemic. Um, so I think that um, it has, I wouldn't, I don't, I think it's solved a community need temporarily, but I don't think it's solved a financial need within Switchboard. I think unfortunately, you know, LGBTIQA plus services are never funded um, to the amount that mainstream services are funded. I mean, Lifeline, you know, they might have, you know, get a $40 million sort of um, additional funding during COVID-19. Like they, they just fund mainstream organisations a lot more. And even if you consider that mainstream organisations, say, make up, if you want to say at a conservative estimate, 90% of the population, you can't say that we, re that we receive as a sector 10% of the money, um, um, yet we're overrepresented when it comes to mental health, you know, uh, family violence, self-harm, uh, drug and alcohol. We're overrepresented in those things. So even if we... You know, we, we certainly don't get ten percent or anywhere near it in the in the the mix of funding, and I think um, that means, unfortunately, at Switchboard, that we have to both be a service provider and an advocacy organisation all the time, like advocating for the funds in order that we can continue to keep the doors open 
And we certainly still need to do um, fundraising drives and, you know, it's still that kind of same old kind of adage about, you know, you have a cake stall to I have a cake stall, a, a cake stall to run a school, and you um, and the army gets all the money they need. That old activist adage is is the same for community organisations, unfortunately. Three You're listening to an interview with Joe Ball on Three CRs in your face. So the Andrews government, the Victorian government, hasn't hasn't you know given you any indicators that possibly Rainbow Door could continue after the 30th of June next year. Yeah, look, I think um, well, we, <laughs> we just had a ministerial reshuffle. Um, so our previous uh, minister, you know, M- um, Minister Martin Foley, Minister for Equality, is now the Minister for Health. And we know that he is a very keen supporter of Switchboard um, and we hope that, you know, um, that he'll be able to take some of the information he knows about the great work that we do into his ministerial in health and advocate for some of the funds there. Because I think what's really important is that funding for Switchboard shouldn't just come from like an equality portfolio. It should actually come from like mental health, suicide prevention, family violence, like throughout the sector. And I think that can be some of the inner issues around funding is that we're kind of earmarked as like just being eligible for sort of LGBTIQA plus money. But I think when we are responding to, to such need, um, there's, you know, if, if, you, you, if you need to look at the funding coming from a larger source of money. Of course, Martin Foley launched Rainbow Door on Monday. It was one of his first acts as the new health minister. What was that launch like uh, after all the political dramas that happened over the weekend with Jenny McCarkos, the former health minister? Sure. I mean, he, in the end, he had to give a written statement that I read out um, and he, get, he rang me before the launch and gave you know, an official apology. He wanted, he absolutely wanted to be there on the day, um, but he did rep- provide a written statement that we gave at the launch. And I think you're right. Like, I think it was quite, I mean, I appreciated that one of the first things he did <laughs> as the Minister of Health was launch our rainbow door and may he go um, on as he started. <laughs> so I feel like, I mean, look, we've got, he, he's a he's a fan of the service as much as, you know, um, Politicians are fans of, of of individual programs. I think you know he is really supportive of our of our work, and I think he does really understand. Um, in the conversations I've had with him about that need to have this single point of entry, which the Rainbow Door is, like a service that you can call up as an LGBTIQA plus person with with an issue or or whatever or, or whatever's bothering you. Um, and have a conversation with a trained worker who can help you navigate into the service sector because um, I think he really gets that because he knows that even though we've got this service sector that's actually becoming very inclusive through or working towards inclusion through the rainbow tick, one of the things we're finding is still LGBTIQA plus people aren't using these services. Um, And so that's what the rainbow door is to do is to help people navigate um, and make the most of the service sector out that's out there and help people find services that make sense to them um, rather than people having to battle that system themselves and, you know, battle it when you're, when you're, um, when you're most vulnerable, you, you know, we, the rainbow door is, it has an advocacy role for, of, for the, for the individual um, in getting them the right service they need. Switchboard's been on an incredible journey during COVID the service has had to revamp. It's growing uh, with uh, with our uh, Rainbow Door. 
What's it been like for you personally and for the staff during this journey? It must be an incredibly kind of, you know, um, exciting but tumultuous time for you as workers and, and as the CEO. Yeah, I think, I think that sums it up, exciting and tumultuous. I mean, I think I've been on the same roller coaster we've all been here in, in Melbourne of um, thinking that we were out, of, you know, going through the March, April experience and just thinking that we were sort of over, I guess, or coming to an end in June and July. I've been on the whole roller coaster and so have all of our staff. All of our staff live in Melbourne. So we've been providing these services in the strictest, you know, lockdown in the world. Um, but one thing I think about our work at Switchboard is, and I feel so honoured to be part of such a passionate team of people, um, and I think, you know, what's what's been, you know, we've been such a close-knit team about thinking about what we can give back during this time, and I feel so honoured and proud to, to, to lead a team of dedicated individuals. And also, like, you know, we've, we've had a, a whole range of volunteers. I mean, so we haven't had the phone volunteers, but, you know, the out and about volunteers. We've had 65, you know, um, people that we've been visiting and supporting through the out and about program throughout this period, which has meant, um, you know, some of our volunteers calling older people who live in aged care where there's been outbreaks of COVID-19. And I think, when you're at the coalface of responding in that kind of way and hearing whether it's on the phones or visiting, you just feel so purposeful. Um, and that's something that's a real privilege during such a time where you can feel so helpless as an individual. But through our work at Switchboard, I think the, the, the reoccurring theme is that we all feel so purposeful um, and that is, that's a great thing to feel. The staff of Switchboard must have been speaking to some very terrified elderly people in aged care during the pandemic. It just must be absolutely horrific. It certainly has been. I mean, people have had been locked in their bedrooms and, you know, I think um, people have talked about how the Royal Commission into Aged Care was, was a wake-up call, you know, for what's going on in aged care. Well, if that was a wake-up call, COVID-19 is like a... Um, a steam train <laughs> coming towards us because of, of what it's shown us, you know, um, of what we need to do to fix aged care. Like, um, and we've seen that firsthand in the people we support. I mean, they have influences every year in aged care uh, and, and COVID-19 has just shown us that, that every year when there's outbreaks of the flu, we, you know, we lock people in their rooms and we weren't really talking about this before COVID-19. But this is not a humanitarian response to people who are older that, um, you know, we should have housing around aged care that if you don't have the flu or you don't have COVID-19 but someone else does in your facility, we should have the services that you don't have to be locked in your room or that you could be transferred somewhere safer. Like, you know, too many people have been terrified in their bedrooms, like wondering if the worker that's been in one part of the area with someone with COVID-19 is going to bring COVID to them. And I think, you know, um, I feel really passionately about this issue. And, and as Switchboard, we've spoken out about it a number of times about the conditions in aged care. And we'll continue to do it because aged care is our issue because we have older LGBTIQA plus people. Um, and we certainly haven't forgotten about them during this time. It sounds absolutely terrifying and uh, it sounds like the pandemic has really breached the rights of elderly people in aged care, especially people in socioeconomically disadvantaged areas where COVID is much more prevalent. I think that's right. I think, um, yeah, I, I think that like one of the things people have, 
you know, there's been the reoccurring theme across all of our programs is that COVID has exacerbated the, you know, the conditions of the most vulnerable. So whether it's in the housing commission towers, um, in aged care, in international students, like wherever there's been um, people, asylum seekers, wherever there's been vulnerable vulnerabilities already, um, COVID-19 has exacerbated and piled onto those vulnerabilities. And I think that, you know, it's an opportunity um, for all of us to talk about how we can build a better world where people are not so vulnerable in the first place. And I think, you know, COVID-19 has really ex- exposed like the class disparities, the citizenship disparities, you know, the the age-related disparities. Um, and I think it would be remiss of us as a society to not take this opportunity to, you know, <laughs> shake it all up really and, and shake it all up for the better. Joe Ball, thanks for your work and thank you so much for talking to me today on 3CR. Much appreciated and congratulations with Rainbow Door. Yeah, thanks, James. And I really encourage people to reach out and contact us. We're waiting for you to contact us. We're available. Um, and just to share those details again, uh, 1-800-729-367 between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Text message 0480-017-246 or email us at support at rainbowdoor.org.au. 
from the American Gangster soundtrack that was Anthony Hamilton. Do you feel me? There's kind of a lot of a lot of things that are coming up to the fore at the moment as well, particularly in terms of the way that we imagine, for example, essential work and also sort of essential community life or essential caregiving um, and how those how those function. If we think about sort of the way that queer family often takes very, very sort of different forms and very, you know, important and meaningful forms that often don't match the picture of normative, heteronormative family life, but how so many of the of the affordances or the restrictions or the kind of the, the government governmental sort of imagining of the way that we should live and what we need to live and what we need to survive really is shaped around heteronormativity. You know, it's around the family life in the suburb, as opposed to many, you know, single individuals who have shared queer family, both sexual and community connections that sustain them and that kind of give them give them life and give them give them sort of energy and comfort and safety and security and support. You're listening to 3CR Community Radio 855 AM on digital and online. 3CR Radical Radio. Catch you next week on In Your Face, taking us as Jane Cybrey and Angel Step Down. Come on, baby, come on, give me. 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 Come on, give me.
In Your Face would like to thank Thorn Harbour Health for their sponsorship of this program. Thorn Harbour Health envisions a healthy future for our gender, sex and sexuality diverse communities, a future without HIV, and a future where all people live with dignity and respect. To find out more, search Thorn Harbour Health on your search engine or Facebook. <laughs> 